Hi, happy new year. It's Ed Gallo, the Wrestling for MMA podcast on the Fight Site Podcast Network. Um, back for another week with no fights. Uh, no fights on my radar, at least. But uh, we do have something to talk about. We can briefly recap the Ryzen card. There isn't a t- too much to talk about there. Yeah, worth touching on. And then I'm going to preview the Wrestling for MMA Awards for 2020. I did that in 2019 uh, as an article, and I thought it was pretty fun. And I have thoughts about the winners for this year, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. So uh, hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone was safe over the new year. I'm just trying to keep up, honestly. I hope everyone enjoyed last week with uh, my guests, Richard and Jack. Uh, yeah, but we, we previewed the Rising card on that podcast. And on that podcast, we talked about how Greco-Roman world champion uh, Shinobu Ota was making his MMA debut. So no MMA experience prior. First fight ever pro debut against Hideo Takoro at 135. And Takoro's had, you know, 60 plus fights mostly submissions uh you know just a really experienced grappler against someone who's only perceived skill as wrestling so you know all they can do is take you down pretty much or not get taken down can't strike with them and if you take them down you're gonna have to grapple with them so we we didn't have our hopes up for that fight um we figured there's only so much you can learn in a short period of time and it's it's your first fight so uh ota actually looked pretty good he didn't win. <laughs> Spoilers there if you didn't know. He didn't win, but he looked pretty solid. He uh, he couldn't strike very well, which is fine. Uh, I didn't expect him to be able to yet. Um, disproportionately, it's funny. Uh, I posted a clip of Ota and uh, Luis Smolka, the Hawaiian uh, MMA fighter, very good uh, flyweight and bantamweight. He talked about how it's going to be tougher to transition quickly for him because of his build. Uh, because he has short arms and a long torso and I thought he was exaggerating a little bit because you know it's harder to tell in Greco when they're all they're all hunched up um he's like yeah he's gonna have to learn footwork and and how to strike you know at the same time instead of like just learn how to hit not being enough for starters and I'm like well yeah that sounds true for everybody um but then when I saw him fight I was like oh wow his arms really are short <laughs> he has some t-rex arms so he was having some trouble there um Takoro made him look like a flyweight I don't know if Takoro is big or if he's just really a flyweight it would make sense because in wrestling you cut weight more often uh or you have to weigh in on multiple days stuff like that so you have to be closer to the weight class you're weighing in at so he was wrestling at 60 kilograms and 63 kilograms um so that's you know about 130 135 um but weighs around that probably around 140 early 40s so i think he's actually a flyweight um that would make sense to me in mma you only cut eight like what four or five times a year maximum so you have way more time to do it you can drop a whole ton of a lot more and then there's a one day period afterward for you to recover so um i would expect to see him at flyweight but yeah he did he did pretty well um countering tokoro's striking entries with body locks like i thought he would And the cool thing was that he did not look in any danger of getting guillotined. He uh, was keeping his head in the center, which is really awesome. So if you ever hit like a spear double, uh, same thing, you put your face in their chest or do like across the hips, you know, have your head across on the outside uh, and push that way. 
And uh, yeah, he had that same that same uh, approach with his body locks, you know, just crunching them over, um, picking them up, putting them down, uh, slamming them hard. And yeah, they looked very physical. They looked like he could do damage with his body locks, which is cool. And uh, he was still very white belty with his grappling. You know, Takora was, was getting to a, a lot of attempts and he was, you know, stronging his way out of them picking him up and slamming him when he tried to armbar him. He slammed his way out of like four or five armbars at least. It was impressive that he kept doing it. Um, and then as, as the fight wore on, it was the same dynamic playing out over and over again. I think he got dropped like just being completely off balance on a stance guy hit with something and got dropped on like it's like a chin thing. Um, he didn't look super uncomfortable being hit. He just didn't really know what he was doing. Um, so that didn't help. But yeah, later on he, he got wore down and, you know, slamming his way out of armbars didn't work as much and, he got armbarred, but uh, yeah, I mean, about as well as I could have hoped for. <laughs> Honestly, I hope he fights again, and maybe like six months to a year time uh, to give him give him some time to continue to develop. Give him someone easier than Takoro. Um, he would have beat someone easier than Takoro this time. <laughs> so if you give him a little bit more time to develop, give him someone else, then I think it'll go well. Um, so that was uh, Shinobu Ota. That was that was the big fight I was looking forward to in terms of wrestling. And then uh, Miyu Yamamoto, who's a three-time world champion in freestyle, she fought uh, Ayaka Hamasaki, who's a good little wrestling grappler herself. Uh, I think they're 115 pounders. And uh, Miyu took her down right away, and Hamasaki countered with the Kimura grip, and she held onto the Kimura grip, and Miyu didn't seem to know how to pass it to get the grip back. She like you know kept holding positions and just didn't quite seem to know what the transitions were. And uh, that gave Hamasaki time to uh, work the Kimura and sweep her with it. And then uh, while she was trying to work the Kimura from top side, she, uh, you know how you step around the head to finish Kimura for, like from side control? She uh, stepped around the head and put her other leg under the head and did a, basically a leg scissors choke. And it was like crushing her face with the leg scissors while she had the Kimura grip. And I think she tapped to that because it was on her face. Um, so not great. <laughs> not great for Miyu. Um, but that's always kind of been her thing, not totally knowing what she's doing on the ground. Um, but yeah, that was Ryzen. Uh, pretty interesting stuff. Nothing too much more to say with regard to, to wrestling. Okay. Let's do some awards. Um, I only do two awards for the Wrestling for MMA Awards. You know, maybe people can suggest some categories in the future. Um Maybe I'll do three. Maybe I'll play with it now. I, I'm in the process of writing the article. Basically, it's an article, and I'm grabbing all the clips for the article first. And uh, I have basically all the clips now, so it's just a matter of writing it, uh, which is the worst part. <laughs> so probably come out like Friday or something like that. Um, I assume this will be released on Wednesday. I'm recording this on Tuesday, just full disclosure. Yeah, but the, the categories I typically do are... Um, takedown of the year and wrestling performance of the year, which is obviously only two categories, but I feel like that encompasses pretty much everything. Um, some of the other ideas I've heard is like breakout wrestler of the year. You now we're like somebody like who's bursting on the scene. that seems to be a good wrestler in MMA. And uh, <laughs> my, my buddy, uh, grandma Flarkin said, uh, wrestling is fight of the year. I think that's a uh... sure <laughs> we could do that one. Uh, so let's start with takedown of the year. Um, it's a tough category to label just because do you go with whatever looked the coolest or what was the most difficult to execute or like what, what was the most meaningful takedown of the year? 
So let's go with the ones that were kind of cool, but you know, mostly because of the significance of, of what it meant in the moment. Um, so runner up for that side of it, runner up for just, you know, significance, I would say Alexander Volkanovsky and his inside trips on Max Holloway. Um, he had been trying to wrestle Max in both of their fights for a long time and, and looking really, really tough. Edgar couldn't do it either. Um, and he made an adjustment uh, and, you know, used his outside shots to get into upper body, like over under positions and had a really nice inside trip finish where he was, you know, hop stepping in, hooking the leg and uh, basically hitting a hard pivot and turning him over the base leg and causing Max to fall over. I think he hit it twice. Um, so it's just a really nice wrestling adjustment, you know, beautiful technique uh, against someone who's very difficult to wrestle. And although he didn't do a ton with the positions after he got the takedowns, they were probably determining factors and swinging maybe a round or two in his favor. So it helped him get the decision, even though it shouldn't have. Uh, not saying I don't, I don't really know how I scored that fight. I'm not saying who should have won, but you know, if the takedowns were a factor in scoring, they shouldn't have been, but they likely were. Um, so Alexander Volkanovsky deserves some props for that. Uh, and then the most significant takedown of the year, I, I would say, was uh, Habib Nurmagomedov uh, hitting that double off the let low kick of Justin Gaethje, um, the one that finished the fight, essentially. Uh, this was a really beautiful read by Habib. So prior to the fight, I didn't think Habib was going to be able to take him down in any sort of open space situation just because his go-to attacks from open space have always been those low singles, uh, you know, head inside singles, stuff like that. And early in the fight, you saw him shoot a head inside single off a leg kick uh, and Gaethje whizzers and throws him off. Um, if you looked at the other fight in Gaethje's career where he had been, someone tried to wrestle him a lot, it was a lose for Mino fight. There's a lot of information there um, that ended up being pretty valuable. Um, but you could tell which kind of situations he was really comfortable in. Uh, where he was hard to wrestle and where he was easier to wrestle. And basically if you come to him, if you back him up, uh, the, his defensive reactions leave him more exposed for wrestling. Um, and specifically for Mino shot a double, he shot a bunch of doubles straight on and Gaethje really good getting his hips back really good at, you know, just creating that gap. So obviously if you can, get them to have that reaction. You can slip your head out around the outside, around the lat um, and turn the corner and get to their back and get, get a clean finish that way, which is how a lot of people are taught doubles in the first place. But Khabib like never shoots that style. I, I've never seen him shoot a double, hit his knee and, and turn the corner like that. Usually his doubles are against the cage. And if he's shooting open space, it's his, it's his single. So something he either hadn't done in a very, very long time or hadn't done ever in a fight could be busted out I assume because he watched the tape and studied and saw, oh, hey, here's something that'll work on him and, uh, and, and trained that specific finish. So that was really uh, blew me away that he hit that. Um, we were watching the same thing. Um, but yeah, he, he was having trouble taking him down other than the one shot against the cage at the end of the first round. And uh, yeah, just game plan for that super well, really brilliant strategy. Habib is... I always gave him credit for being smart, but he is, he's even smarter than I gave him credit for, honestly, him and his camp him and his team. Um, so yeah, really, really awesome takedown, uh, that double that he hit on Justin Gaethje to take the back. And then Gaethje uh, goes to his own back and gives up mount. And that's where the, where the triangle came from. So, um, you know, 
won the most important fight of the year, probably. So that, that, that's my takedown of the year with regard to significance. And then with regard to coolness, uh, two takedowns come to mind. Uh, both of them are throws. I think throws are just cooler. <laughs> it is the coolest kind of takedown. Uh, just in chronological order, uh, Mark O. Madsen, uh, Greco million time world and Olympic medalist, uh, all silvers and bronze, unfortunately. But yeah, Madsen is a fighting at lightweight. I wrote about him twice so far. I wrote about his wrestling accomplishments and I wrote about just evaluating him before his UFC, UFC debut, how he's doing, how he looks. Um, and he, uh, he had a really beautiful back arch off of a, a like a side body lock uh, for what could have, would have been four points in, in uh, Greco. Um, Bios is a really gorgeous technique, and uh, I, I appreciate that. And it was it looked cool, for sure. Uh, if, if I had done this in previous years, like uh, Michael Chandler's big back arch, back arch on Benson Henderson, um, that probably would have won an award as well. Basically, if you hit a big back arch, I'm probably going to give you an award because <laughs> it doesn't happen that often. It's a, it's a little bit of waste of energy, I would say, just because usually it's returning them to a position you might be able to get them to with a much less energy uh, demanding technique. But uh, yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. Oh, you know what? I need to uh, add add to this. I did, I did I looked at the UFC and Bellator for this a little bit rising, but rising really having thing. Legacy Fighting Alliance, uh, Mo Miller. I need to give Mo Miller an award. Maybe like breakout wrestling prospect of the year, Mo Miller. Uh, but Mo Miller also hit a um, a big uh, big mat return uh, and actually knocked his opponent out in his most recent fight. If you don't know Mo Miller, I, I wrote about him uh, twice, I believe. Um, I interviewed him, and that was awesome. I did a little breakdown on, on what his amateur career and his wrestling career, and then I uh, I broke down his uh, second to most recent fight. Uh, where he'd be a pretty solid prospect and look really good. He trains at a strong style in Ohio. It's Stipe Miocic's gym. And uh, he, he's just a really awesome guy and a really cool wrestler and turning into a really good fighter already. And I would expect him to fight for an LFA title soon and then UFC probably after that. So you'll know him soon enough. Uh, he's a bantamweight. But shout out Mo Miller. Maybe that's a you know, breakout wrestler of the year. Uh, and then other cool takedown of the year candidate which I kind of wanted to bring up the wrestler for uh, the breakout wrestler of the year category, because I think this is probably the answer. Uh, Ilya Toporia, uh, the Georgian fighting out of Spain, uh, another Greco guy and a lot of Greco represented this year, <laughs> uh, but another Greco guy. Um, and he hit a gorgeous, another back arching throw at uh, this time, belly to belly from double under is a double under body lock. Um, Zalal had him, Yusuf Zalal had him against the cage. I believe in, in some sort of loose double over script. And uh, yeah, Toporia pummeled for a, a double under, got a tight body lock, turned him around with it and just sent him flying. And it was just like perfect landing, perfect amplitude. Everything was perfect. The flight path. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you'll see clips of those when the article comes out. But yeah, those are the, two of the coolest takedowns I saw this year. Um, there are a bunch of other cool things that happened, but they'll be covered in the rest of the awards. So this is my takedown in the years and uh, my breakout wrestlers of the year, I would say are um, for non UFC, I would say probably, well, yeah, I guess I'll go into another, another person here, but it would be Mo Miller and uh, Ilya Toporia are, are definitely nominees. I would also like to nominate Yaroslav Amosov who fights in Bellator at welterweight. Uh, he is amazing. First of all, he's uh, undefeated, you know, very, very well-rounded, uh, very physical, high motor. 
I'm more like a volume striker kind of guy. I believe he is a hoofed fighter, Henry Hooft. So uh, Usman Chandler burns that crew. Uh, but he had two really amazing performances this year. Uh, I'm, I'm going to transition into the wrestling performances of the year after this because he, uh, he really deserved to be in that conversation as well. But he fought Ed Ruth, who was a three-time NCAA champion. Uh, and he fought Logan Storley, who's a four-time All-American. Uh, and both of those fights were super wrestling heavy. Um, and he was taking them down. And I wrote about the Ed Ruth fight um, before the Storley fight. But the Storley fight's pretty amazing, if you haven't seen that. Uh, super high pace, really grueling. Um, they both should have been exhausted. <laughs> Storley's gas tank really held up well. Um, but if you like single legs in MMA and like single leg defense and single leg offense and just figuring out how to make singles work in MMA, that's a really good fight to study. Um, obviously, you won't just automatically become four time All American caliber, but you can just notice some of the little things there. But I haven't sat down to study that one since it happened. But there's two beautiful performances, two wins for Amosov. Uh, against really, really high-level credentialed wrestlers, big prospects in the division, um, and he out-wrestled both of them more or less. So hats off. <laughs> that, that's definitely a breakout wrestler. I don't know if he's a prospect yet. I, I mean, anymore, just because he has so many fights. He has over 20 fights, and he's undefeated, and Bellator definitely has a good read on where he's at as a contender. Um, but yeah, Yaroslav Amasal, I definitely want to give a shout-out to. Um Wrestling performances of the year while I'm on Bellator. Let's just get the Bellator out of the way. Um, just an overall year for Aaron Pico. I think he fought three times. He fig- he figured it out. He figured his game out. He- he's functional at this point. Um, and it-, it just took basic stuff. Um, he understands the overhand, double leg dynamic, basically that the level changing motion of your overhand looks like the level changing motion of your double leg. He can faint one, hit the other, hit one, set up the other. Um, they work together really well. I wrote about that, about uh, Joey Davis, who I also would like to nominate. Um, also looking functional and like a great wrestler. Just two guys who were very, very credentialed. Uh, Aaron Pico uh, was a two-time California state champion. Then he dropped out of high school, basically, because he just wanted to pursue wrestling full-time. Didn't uh, didn't go to college, just uh, started doing freestyle and beat a world champion uh, before he was done and then made it to the Olympic team trials finals against Frank Molinaro and lost uh, two matches to one. Um, and didn't make the Olympic team in 2016, but he's a cadet world champion, I believe. Um, just very, very credentialed wrestler and had been training MMA basically the whole time during that. So people were very excited for him and he took on too tough competition too fast and got knocked out a bunch. But now, even though he's at Greg Jackson's gym, um he he's figuring it out just looked very functional uh some some submission wins and uh his uh most recent fight fight against uh, john de jesus that's somebody i'm kind of familiar with he trains with a, a friend of mine and uh the guy is really known for his his counter knees he, he really you try to hit him in the body try to take him down he's gonna throw a knee up the middle and uh pico realized that he uh he fainted the level change uh, for the double to draw out the knee. And the next time he did it, he hit the overhand. So basically he has the guy leaning back with his hands down, smash him with the overhand. So that's, that's wrestling, basically. Wrestling set up that finish. So props to Aaron Pico for getting it together. Uh, I hope he's successful moving forward. Uh, Joey Davis always, always kind of knew how his wrestling and striking worked together, but fought, I think, at least twice this year. Um, looked good doing it. 
happy for him. He's doing well. I, I've written about him a couple of times before as well. I wrote a book about him. Don't, don't ask me about it. It's not available for purchase right now. Um, but yeah, shout out to Joey Davis as well. Four time undefeated NCAA champion at the division two level. And then uh, one more from Bellator that really stood out to me was uh, Magomed Magomedov crossing over from ACB, now ACA. Uh, guy has a win over Peter Young and uh, just has always looked like a well-rounded physical wrestler, but he looked like a different kind of guy in his Bellator debut, like way more physical, stronger, uh, more uh, focused with his game plan. And he was hitting these huge lifts off of singles and just looking super strong against Matthews Matos, who also a former Peter Jan opponent um, and just put a really nasty ride on him. So I think one of the lifts was like, he, he did a full, the full arc midair and he landed really funky on his neck and his arm, but didn't seem injured, but it was, it was tough. So cool performance there from Magomedov. Um, yeah, that's it for Bellator. And, uh, let's go wrestling performances of the year for the UFC. Um, there were a bunch <laughs> and I made clips for almost all of them already. It's taken a while. Uh, first, first shout out goes to Marab Dabalashvili. What can you say? He broke the record for takedowns in a year. Um, I don't totally agree with the way the UFC counts takedowns. I think uh, most of the time they count Matt returns as takedowns, which the reason I disagree with that is because you already took them down and you still have your same grip on them. And they're like standing up and you're just breaking them back down more of a breakdown of our inner ride than a, a new takedown to me. And the reason that makes a difference to me is, you know, the takedown setup should involve striking or a transition or something like that. You're just retaining mostly the same position, but they're standing now and then you just put them back down. That's a return. That's not really a takedown. Um, it's not just me being a stickler about college rules or whatever. I think there's actually a significant contextual difference, but uh, I digress. They counted them for Khabib too. So it's not like it's a different, <laughs> different metric. Um, but yeah, he broke the record for takedowns in a year. He had fights against Casey Kenny, Gustavo Lopez, and John Dodson. Two of those are meaningful wins, I would say. Uh, Casey Kenny is looking really good lately. And uh, John Dodson's like almost impossible to take down and hold down. And Marab got him down, I think, a couple of times and held some like rear, uh, rear standing positions and need his legs. But still, he wrestled John Dodson, which is cool. Um, but yeah, the Gustavo Lopez one is the, the fight that I uh, wrote about just because he took him down like 12 times. So I had a lot to write about. And uh, yeah, he, he had some cool finishes on, on his takedowns there, some cool doubles off the overhand. Um, I think he like did a, a like a cartwheel pass finish off of one of his doubles. That could be a takedown of the year nomination, honestly. Um, be a shout out Marab, definitely one of the most wrestling centric fighters in the UFC right now. Um, I don't love that like there isn't really that much else going on in his game other than just takedowns, but I like takedowns, so I appreciate him. We talked about Marco Madsen. Uh, wrestling performance of the year, strong, strong contender. I don't really know who to give it to with all of these, but it, it might be Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sandhagen, uh, number one contender fight. And Sandhagen comes out pressuring super hard right away. Uh, Sandhagen kicks off the back foot. Sterling catches the kicks, transitions into a double, basically the same situation, uh, but at a, at a higher physically higher level, not figuratively higher level at a higher level than a Habib and, and Justin Gaethje. Um, but off the kick hits the double, uh, this time he's working on the cage and uh, basically he gets to a high underhook on the cage and works him over this way to get uh, Sandhagen turning and he gets him, just keeps punching it, 
gets him to turn away a little bit, then transitions to, to the back, um, and then ends up uh, jumping up and, and putting his hooks in and uh, attacking a choke right away. And on his next adjustment with the choke, he finishes it. So quick finish, one takedown against in a number one contender fight against someone really tough. Um, I wrote about uh, Sterling beforehand and like his style of takedowns and the way he wrestles in MMA. And I mentioned that he looks much more effective when he pressures and gets to the fence. And he did. So uh, really awesome performance from him. Uh, really impressive stuff. Uh, Curtis Blades. Here's the heavyweight on the list. <laughs> Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov. It was a main event slot. Not that Volkov's a super tough wrestler, but Blades just for five rounds was really consistent and uh, effective with his double leg entries, both uh, in the open and on the cage. And I wrote about that as well. Uh, just basically things that I noticed this year is this list. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Curtis Blades look really good. He's probably the most functional wrestler at heavyweight now. And uh, yeah, just a, a really solid performance, wrestling heavy performance from him. Uh, Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal at UFC 251. That was a really great wrestling performance against a guy who was very tough to wrestle. I wrote about Masvidal's defense last year. Uh, how good it is, but uh, yeah, uh, Usman uh, didn't look super clean in the striking, but the few things he did well uh, worked to set up his takedowns. Uh, defensively, he was parrying kicks across, and uh, he was able to parry kicks across to turn Masvidal sideways and expose his hips and, and give up really easy double entries. And then against the cage, Usman was kind of like putting out his jab and kind of feeling out exchanges and fainting, getting Masvidal to open up with counters and then shooting on his hips. Um, and the work on the cage obviously is always, always good for Usman. I did write about that one, so I'm not going to go too much into it, but, uh, yeah, that was a great performance. Um, could be the award winner as well. I haven't decided. I haven't decided. I'm probably not going to decide now at all. Let's say I'll have to wait for the article to see who wins. Um, yeah, that was great. I already talked about Volkanovsky and Holloway. Uh, gotta mention Hamza Chimaev, uh, definitely a breakout fighter of the year maybe he'll get the award but he'd have mm, hmm 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 with breakout wrestler wrestler of the year do i want do i need for them to have fought good competition if so then it's Amosov by a mile but if it's not then like who looked most impressive wrestling well she might have had two fights where he took the guys down a couple times Toporia took Yusuf Zalal down a hundred times, but then he just knocked out his next opponent. So it might be Chumayev, but I'm probably going to give Domasov just to avoid that conundrum. But Chumayev definitely deserves some some praise. Um, versus John Phillips and Reese McKee, Western Europeans who definitely can't wrestle <laughs> at all. So grain of salt there, but he's definitely a good wrestler. Um, he does that Ali Bagov, uh, Rusam Karimov entry, uh, the high kick into the, the level change. Um super athletic maneuver to pull off. So obviously he's very impressive just for that. Um, be a really athletic entries on the feet and, you know, great top game. And he's, he's definitely broken out as one of the most popular fighters of the year. I would say um, be a, he uh, also had a really nice body lock situation. I think it was against Reese McKee. He uh, shot off the right hand. He stepped through the right hand and, and transitioned into the single. I don't really like that entry because I don't like anything that's going to push the person back into open space and then you have to extend yourself to get to the single um but if you're really good at finishing singles it can work <laughs> um or if the person has bad footwork and they don't move backward then you're, you're golden if they just swing back you're that's a good entry um 
but he did that and then he he climbed up to a, a body lock situation just like holding him tight in the body lock like dude was just hovering off the ground until he finished it um very strong guy i think uh next week ryan and i are going to do a podcast just about chimaev about if he's good or not um maybe next week but before his fight for sure but yeah shout out chimaev for those wrestling performances uh one of my favorite fights of the year was uh, Movzar Ivloyev versus Mike Grundy. I talked about Ivloyev um, before whatever card they were on. Him and Toporio were supposed to be on the card together, but Ivloyev's fight got canceled, so I didn't get to talk about him afterward. But I talked about them both in pretty solid depth beforehand. Toporia, not Toporia, sorry. Ivloyev, another Greco guy, um, really cool defensive wrestling performance against Mike Grundy, who is a uh, world team rep from england in the past great britain whatever they call themselves these days uh but yeah mike grundy was hitting really nice double uh reactive doubles and you know doubles on the lead and uh Evloya was showing really cool escapes uh you know all sorts of escapes like he was getting feet on the hips and pushing off he was getting two on one and uh putting the arm on the other side and standing up with that he was uh he hit a fat man roll from from the turtle position um he had a super sick counter from uh, bottom front headlock Grundy was putting a lot of weight on him and he built up a little bit and uh, basically sat back hard and used his head as a lever uh, to, to basically throw <laughs> Grundy feet to feet to back over his head. Um, so that was amazing. And uh, yeah, he just looked really good overall as a defensive encounter and anti-wrestler, all, all the, all the words. Um, it's funny. He's not offensively wrestling in his fights, but he could. Um, I've watched his training footage. He's another uh, Tiger Muay Thai guy. Um, but yeah, really impressive defensive wrestling performance and offensive wrestling performance from Grundy to keep getting him down. Uh, Grundy's super impressive physically. I mean, he pushed the pace, a really exhausting fight for three rounds. I was, I recommend watching that one. Um, especially cause the Floyd's work on the feet in between the takedowns was really pretty, uh, cool. Here, here's a takedown of the year candidate. I forgot this one. Kevin Holland versus Charlie Ontiveros. Uh, the guy was pretty annoying on the feet he was like throwing out axe kicks and just looked very uh he was fast <laughs> i think holland didn't like it didn't like the speed um so he basically just bum rushed him uh actually he didn't just bum rush him he was smarter than that he was using skip up kicks he was doing skip up feints with his kicks to back up onto barrows and then uh, after he skipped up he was punching and uh collapsing the distance and getting into the cage so impressive entries there but he's getting to the body lock in the cage and his big lifts and uh and knee blocks to make sure he could uh put him over his base with big lifts and returns off the body lock and he actually knocked him out with the second body lock so um props to kevin holland for knocking a guy out with a takedown i think he's the only one on the list to do that might have been the only fighter in the ufc to knock someone out with a takedown this year so gotta gotta get some props there uh I don't have a lot to say about this, but Alistair Overeem versus Augusto Sakai. I think that was the main event. He took him down a bunch. He did a lot of redirection off the cage. Props to Overeem for being a wrestler this late in his career. That's cool. Uh, Toporia as well. I talked about it. <laughs> really good fight. Uh, Guram Kitate Ladze versus, uh, I don't know how to say it, Gamrot. <laughs> I forgot his name last time I talked about him. Uh, but Gamrot was the KSW champion at lightweight coming over. Very uh, highly regarded both as a striker and as a wrestler. I think his, his base is wrestling. But he was trying to wrestle Guram, who looked pretty solid in the feet. Uh, 
and they were just getting into some really fun scrambles and just, you know, Gamrot was chain wrestling and, and Garam was just matching him and looked really, you know, competent defensively. And uh, it was just a cool fight. And uh, the clip will reflect that. But yeah, that was a great one. And uh, Garam won. So keep your eye out for uh, Garam Katate Lanze in the future. He's uh, really interesting and physical, big, giant legs. <laughs> he looks like George and Benson Henderson. All right. I talked about Habib and Justin Gaethje. Uh, or an under the radar wrestling performance this year, maybe not an under the radar performance overall, but just from a wrestling perspective, was uh, RDA Rafael dos Anjos versus Paul Felder. Uh, he wrestled the crap out of him. He pressured super hard from uh, open stance, like he does, and was just getting getting Pelder, Felder exchanging, uh, just opening up exchanges. And then when Felder threw back, level changing, getting doubles against the cage, just looking really clean. Um, with his doubles, you know, kind of pulling him off to the side to reshoot and get a deeper entry on the hips or coming back up to the body lock and, and uh, doing knee block finishes off the body lock. It was really good cage wrestling performance from RDA. Um, like you're used to. It looked like the Pettis fight. It looked like a, a lower octane version of the Pettis fight. Um, and he didn't beat up Felder as badly as he beat up Pettis, but it was a similar type of performance. So cool cool vintage uh, RDA pressure cage wrestling performance. Um, I liked that very much. This one hurts a little bit. Uh, Brandon Moreno versus uh, Davis and Figueredo. He took him down with like 50 body locks. He kept body locking him. I talked about it on another podcast that it was mostly because Figueredo doesn't know how to defend body locks. Um, does not move his feet at all. Just kind of starts stand straight up and tries to dig for overhooks. I'm like, dude, your face is nothing. Um, and surprise, surprise, Moreno kept taking him down. So award for Moreno for continuously taking him down with the same technique, but also anti-negative award for Figueredo for not knowing what to do about that. Um, on that same card, Charles Oliveira versus Tony Ferguson. Just really nice, smart, reactive entries from Oliveira, catching kicks, uh, intercepting uh, entries, and also... Uh, I believe he pressured Ferguson to the fence and took him down the fence as well. So it's nice, smart performance and an excellent top control from Oliveira. And if you want a really in-depth breakdown of that fight on the last MMA podcast, the New Year's edition um, on the fight site, Ryan just like went off <laughs> about that fight, just broke it down super great detail. Um, so if you want to know like what is Oliveira doing differently, what is he doing well now that's separating him, what allowed him to control Ferguson, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, one more from that card that I wrote about Gavin Tucker versus Billy Quarantillo, uh, more of a clinching performance, but yeah, just really, really awesome uh, display of clinch entries and um, like transitions from the clinch positions to takedowns. Um, I actually forget. <laughs> I, I dumped out all of my knowledge into the article for this. So there's an article, please read it. Um, I worked hard on it, but this really excellent clinch and uh, upper body based takedown performance from Gavin Tucker against Billy Quarantillo. Uh, I think a lot of knee block, a lot of knee block uh, body locks in that one as well. And he hit the uh, like the outside stepping, shifting uh, double leg entry that like TJ Dillashaw does. Um, yeah, that was basically everything that I remember. Um, did Amanda Hibas hit that Harai Goshi this year? Was that this year? It might have been. I wrote about that. I don't ignore women, women's MMA. I talk about it when I when I can. Um, don't remember which fight it was. It might have been the Mackenzie Dern fight. That was 2019. 
She fought two more times this year. I definitely watched those fights, but don't remember what happened. There might have been takedown of the year and wrestling performance of the year type of fights in 2020 for women's, but I just, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. So let me know if you, if you remember any, but uh, I don't. Um, defensively, uh, Jesse Jeffs, Jessica Rose Clark had a, a good defensive performance against uh, Sarah Alpar, who's a wrestler, and she uh, defended pretty much everything and won that fight in brutal fashion. So shout out Jesse Jeffs for, for her wrestling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it for the awards. So yeah, I'll, I'll try to get that article out soon. Um, let me know if you can think of more categories. Um, I think next year we'll probably have more to talk about just because uh, it'll be a more regular event schedule and there'll be you know, more wrestlers competing, more people competing. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Um, next week, if it's not the Chimaya thing, I'll figure out something else to talk about. Maybe I'll take some listener questions again. I've been trying to avoid that because that's what made me take the hiatus in the first place was because the listener questions, some of them were hard. And I had to like actually do work and research them. And I don't want to do that. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay. See you guys around. If you want to talk to me, talk to me on Twitter at Edward Gallo MMA. If you're not on Twitter, I guess you can talk in the YouTube comments, but I warn you, the YouTube comments are going to be filled with uh, like bot accounts. So uh, if that bothers you, then, then don't show up. But yeah, okay. See everybody next week.